it's like, I don't know. My sponsor says to me nowadays about AA, like wear it like a loose garment. Wear a loose garment? Wear it like a loose oh, garment. Oh, wear it like a loose garment. <laughs> he says, wear a loose garment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He says, wear drop crotch pants. Hold, hold on to your day piece. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the beings I love are creatures. They were born by chance. My meeting with them was also by chance. They will die. What they think, do, and say is limited. It's a mixture of good and evil. I have to know this for myself. from listening to the last episode that I don't know if I picked this up while doing the podcast but I picked up some sort of breathing technique where like in the middle of my sentences I like inhale through my nose really loud (laughs) and I was like reading the preamble at an AA meeting (laughs) the other day and I like did it once and I was like oh god I have to stop doing that because I'll be like reading and then I'll go <laughs> just like a very like efficient burst of of breath, yeah, like circular circular breathing, but it just sounds like sounds really bad. Yeah, yeah, definitely you should not have the <laughs> podcast. <dude>. No. <laughs> oh, interesting. It, right. it is hard to keep your breath going when you're reading, though. It is. Yeah. You know. Breathe off off mic like Tazon Day. That's a throwback. (laughs) Um Well, are we are we planning on starting with the the infamous question? Yeah, I think we have to. Yeah. Yeah. Um It was not yeah, it wasn't on the it wasn't on the first part of the Q and A. No. Um but our friend Gustav sent us a question. Yeah. That almost tore Anchor apart. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Well, should we read the question or should. I? Yeah, let's read the question. Okay. Yeah. You know, I feel like it, some context is needed. Yeah. Do you want to read it? Yeah. Cool. For this question, I'm envisioning two types of people coming from a similar place of alienation. The life of the Lutheran churchgoer versus the new age accumulator of esoteric spiritual identities. The difference between someone who considers themselves religious, but only participates by going to church once a week, as opposed to someone that doesn't consider themselves religious, but takes on and revels in activities like meditation, divination, smudging sage, etc., What do you see in these quests for spiritual fulfillment? How divergent are they from one another? Would you place yourself on a spectrum between these two? 
Yeah. So it's a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically Hank started answering the question and as I recall, you were talking a little bit, you were talking more about the first person, the Lutheran. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, I was going, yeah. I was, I was, I was working my way to both, but yeah. I was, I was giving my kind of uh, view of the, the Lutheran. Yeah. And I got, I basically got really impatient <laughs> and, uh, said some things I shouldn't have. No, I, I base, I, I accused Hank of not answering the question. Yeah. And I said, um, we should start over, which was, which was a mean <laughs> thing to say. Um, and I apologize. Um, I, I accepted. I was, we, we I was in the wrong. We, we, we resolved it off, off mic. But, but, but basically I figured out that I just, I just, I, I was just disagreeing with you. I think what happened was that like, this is my sort of impressions that I think both of us, started projecting a lot of things Mm -hmm. onto those two characters. Yeah. And I immediately identified myself more with the first one. Yeah. And I think you identified yourself more with the other one. Yeah. But not even as like a, I have to say, like I was going to be critical of the, of the second one. I'm sure you were. (laughs) I was being, I was being critical. I wasn't being like, uh, I'll admit it. I was being a little, I was being a little critical. I was reading that. I was reading into that question that like kind of both of them are like, I think that's what, I think that's why I was getting impatient maybe beyond just beyond just like disagreeing on a superficial level as I was like, I was wanting you to get to the part where you were like going to say like, but there's something valuable here. Yeah. And, but I, I went about it (laughs) the wrong way. (laughs) Yep. Um, yeah. Do you want to, do you want to start this time? Sure. I can start. <laughs> I mean, I, so I, I guess, I don't know. <sighs> I was thinking about it and I really don't, I think as we kind of talked about after the episode, I mean, we had a fight basically and we had to yeah. turn off the mic cause we both got like ticked <laughs> off. <laughs> um, but then we, and then we pretty much resolved it like right away mm-hmm. after we turned the mics off. But, I was thinking about it and I think we kind of said this, but like, I just don't think, um, I think this is a great question, but I don't think I can answer it by characterizing these two types of people. Right. Because I just, I don't know these people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah. I will say that I think, like, I think I've always fallen a little bit more, um, into the first category weirdly not because i'm religious or because i have kind of like i mean i wasn't raised with any with any form of religion um but i feel like i've always been drawn to um a kind of like extreme uh pure not purity <laughs> uh like i've i've always i think i've always resented dilettantes um and like that's not like a strength if you yourself don't have any like practice that you're grounded in because it just kind of prevents you from doing anything um but i guess yeah i don't know i just like 
I relate to the disposition of um, someone who keeps doing something and maybe has some sort of underlying desire it desire for it to bear fruit, but it just but it just doesn't. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that, maybe I mentioned in our talk, but like, I don't remember if it was on the recording at all, but it was like my experience in AA. Yeah. Where, like, a, I mean, when I first came into AA, it was like a full sort of conversion experience where I was like, oh, I have all this new insight about myself. And like, this is sort of like the hidden pattern to my life and why I haven't been happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really powerful when you first come in. Um, but then like over time I, I experienced that sense of just like rote repetition and alienation. And, uh, I don't know. I just think that that's like, that's an important part of, ex- of spiritual experience <laughs> to mm-hmm. like lose your faith mm-hmm. and to become, um, to become alienated from it. Um, and I, I guess like, I wasn't reading it so much as like this person doesn't, because this is where the projection comes in. When I read that question, yeah, I wasn't like this person doesn't care about God or doesn't care about yeah. their faith. I was like, they, they want to, but like they're missing yeah. that thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then like the, the more like new agey, like, like, you know, promiscuity, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I mean, I guess I am kind of that way. I don't know. I mean, yeah, where it's, but it like, seems like a, a, I, I just don't, um, I feel like there's a certain person that's sort of like, that we both have in mind, that we both have in mind yeah. that maybe, um, I mean, we were talking a little bit about like the perennialism thing last night mm-hmm. with like, um, Chet Hanks. Yeah. 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 We, but we were being, <laughs> we were coping. <laughs> you think we were coping? We weren't co. I mean, we we're right, but we were, the reason we were talking about it is that, it's we're, that he won't come on our podcast. Yeah. yeah he didn't answer our email. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah. Um, I mean, this certain, I mean, Thomas Merton, who obviously is someone that I like, he was a big fan of like, he was a big proponent of like interfaith conversations. Um, but he, he really distinctly wanted like faiths to, to remain like distinct to one another. Everyone in their own lane. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I kind of, I do kind of land somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. Not from at all from like a traditionalist or like, you know what I mean? Like social, cultural homogeneity perspective, but just like, um, I think it makes sense to stay in a lane. Like they're like the, the, the systems that the religions have set up work in that way. Yeah. Like work best when, you know, when you're not like (laughs) doing like schizoid, like, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I I don't know. This is a hard question, really. It is a hard question. I mean, the reason that like, cause yeah, we both read the question, Mm -hmm. saw two different, you know, things in it. Yep. Assumed, assumed different behaviors about those people. (laughs) I think our insecurities got brought out by this question. Yeah. Which it makes it a very good question. Exactly. (laughs) 
because I one thing I said to you that I think was true, but that I didn't put in a very kind way, is that I think, um, I think in your answer I saw a kind of skepticism towards authority. Yeah, yeah, which is true. Like I, I, I fully admit that. Um, my when when I was talking about kind of the 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 Lutheran. Yeah. Going, you know, going to church. How I read that question, uh, was that this is a person who like maybe just has been going to church all their life and like has no like real like, yeah, you know, they're not like driving towards something. They're just like, I go to church and therefore I'm like, good. That's probably what he meant. Um, I just, I don't know what that's like. No, definitely. You I know? don't, I don't either. Yeah. Um, and like in my, you know, and I'll, I'll freely admit that. <laughs> like, I, I, I didn't mean to have it be coming from a place of like criticism. It was just like, yeah. As I had stated in my answer a few times, like a lot of that came from like prejudices my father had about, about these people. Yeah. And I, I'm also always kind of like, uh, I don't want to say unpacking, but I'm like, I'm also like critical of his own, like the things where I, if I pop up and like, oh, my father was like, this it's like why was he like that you know like yeah he freaked him out um but uh yeah like the something about it was just like i feel i feel closer to the second one Mm -hmm. but i like i desire to have a relationship with like a you know like some kind of thing that going your own yeah yeah going go you know going to uh going to you know church once a week but like or like doing something you know that that kind of had had something to do with like uh like a practice things like that that i have like a pretty hard time like establishing yeah for for whatever reason um but in in the second one i think particularly i was like the relationship i was looking at was like the person who's just like doing it to do it. Yeah. Like they might, it might be even like this kind of like thing that they learned. They, they made no choice in the situation versus the second, which I felt was like someone who was like searching for something. Yeah. And like that is like them, their own decision to like go out and like look in the world. Yes. Um, and I will also say, uh, what you said earlier about like one is, is like a kind of like this, you know, continual practice, whereas the other one isn't Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, so like the things listed in there could be, although it, it seems it's, it's pointing to, (sighs) it rarely is. No, I know. I know. But like (laughs) meditation, you know, it's like, that is its own thing. But the people are like the, I will say that, that it's just just projection. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, obviously, yeah. yes, there are people that meditate every day. Yeah. Like, but I, you know, it's like, I just have a person in mind. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. No, I think we both do. Yeah. <laughs> but I am trying to like flesh out what this, uh, <laughs> what, what, what kind of this, uh, spectrum is, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't really know where I could place myself on it, you know? Yeah. I feel like I'm, I am more in the second category, but I don't feel like it, 
it you know does anything i think for i you. think i think you are too i i don't know i wouldn't say that it doesn't do anything for you i mean oh it does it does things for me but i feel like it doesn't um that was the wrong way to put it <laughs> <laughs> i was trailing off and I was yeah. <laughs> that it doesn't do anything for me it's not it, it's not like optimized All this shit is pointless <laughs> uh, no 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 it's just not it's not like it's just not like so funny if that's how you felt <laughs> yeah just like i'm just doing all this stuff no that's it's definitely not true like things <laughs> things I, have really helped me out but. i think you are like i think you are very um synthetic thinker mm-hmm. i guess um, part of the question is like where does what what do you see in these quests for spiritual fulfillment yeah i think that asks us to be uh, generous to both of them i think so too <laughs> i think so too um i mean on a really basic level i i would just say that there's value to doing things that um there's value to doing things that don't immediately like bear like intellectual fruit mm-hmm. like because my mind is like <sighs> i mean ideally like the two are like ideally like the intellect and the spirit are like you know yeah in tandem and feeding one another yeah um but it's not always that way and um my intellect is very um capricious and like wants like wants that novelty and like even even recently i've been getting like a little like cuz i've been reading a lot of christian stuff mm-hmm. i've been getting a little like okay like you know blah, blah, like <laughs> mix it up a little all right time to convert to islam yeah um but but i think there are i don't know there's a lot there's a lot that goes on when you um, adopt practices that don't, um, I don't know, that don't like have that same novelty, um, you know, appeal to them. Absolutely. I would say like the whole, the whole point of the, yeah, yeah like a religion is, yeah. is that the novelty isn't there. <laughs> yeah. Um, the novelty um, is like in your experience of it, not exactly the, not the intellectual. Exactly, it, that's what revelation really is. It's just layers mm-hmm. of experience that that um, come forth. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I tried to read. This is just a, a, an aside, but I tried to read some Marxism recently um, yeah. because I'm working on the second part of that essay and. Um, you know, I'm I'm comfortable working with like a certain type of Marxism that's more like really out there, like the Walter Benjamin Ernst Bloch stuff, because it's mm-hmm. it's also like German Romanticism, so it has that like yeah. has that mystical character to it. But I tried to read some really like straightforward, um, like structuralist Marxist stuff, and like I read like two pages, and I was like, oh my god. Like, how could, how did I read this? Like, <laughs> it's so, it's honestly just like repugnant to the spirit. 
Like, like I can't believe that people can sit around and read this stuff. Yeah. It's like, I understand it very well. Mm-hmm. Um, like not to like toot my own horn, but like, I don't know. It's just, I do feel that I do feel that I've grown beyond the stage where I can like, just like read that and be like, this is helping me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but I think, I think maybe I'm, I'm bringing it up because I think for a long time, <clears throat> my form of dilettanteism was like intellectual, um, like promiscuity, just being like, I'm going to read like everything, like every mm-hmm. like newest, dopest, like theory thing. Mm-hmm. And like, if I'm on the vanguard of like aesthetics or like, the like theory of the zeitgeist or something then yeah then i'll feel fulfilled um, yeah and that's kind of i mean even even if you were like you know not being not being an intellectual dilettante yeah but still just being like intellectual and like being a dilettante in the way of like not having like a well-rounded like yeah like not having a spiritual life or like yeah <laughs> you know it's like if you're just focused on if you're a mind man as yeah. I said, you're gonna be it's like lopsided i don't know you're not gonna be able to like yeah really like experience the world i'm curious hank um have you ever had a period where you did lean towards one thing um one tradition kind of thought about it adopting it more have you always been have you always been more comfortable on that sort of on the in that in between space um i think that yeah one of the one of the issues with with my (laughs) i don't know if it's an issue but it's just like one of the ways that i like go about stuff is is you know perhaps is like a makes me a perennialist but like it it does just like i do feel like something in me like requires that i like like repair the schism between everything yeah in my in like in my mind that's very jewish of you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's uh the practice of tikkun I'm, I'm locked out though tikkun the repair of the ancient divine divine essences yeah it's i mean it feels that way it, it just feels like yeah something about it is like i i you said that you're maybe a little jewish <laughs> there's there's my 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 father was probably right but he he was convinced and yeah. he, he was kind of weirdly ostracized in the family for yeah for talking about our jewish heritage our family's from Posen, Poland, mm, mm-hmm. and uh, we have a we have a relative who is who is uh, one of like the last presidents of East Germany, mm-hmm. like communist East Germany. Went to jail for war crimes. <laughs> how how related? Uh, last, I mean, it, I have no idea. Okay. It, I'd, it'd probably take a little bit of research, but like his last name was Krenz, like my like oh. my father, and he looks exactly like my grandfather. Wow. So unless there's just a random, it, it, probably not, but, but he was Jewish. Yeah. So like, 
who knows yeah who knows? you know i actually have the same uh kind of spurious speculation on my polish side of the family as well yeah my mom has the same but like who who knows like, who knows yeah it's i mean because it's from my father's lineage it doesn't matter yeah. regardless <laughs> yeah it's very true <laughs> very true um but yeah there's like something in me that like it's like because i recognize that like so much of all of this stuff is talking about it, yeah. it to me it's all just like different everyone's kind of taken like a different form talking specifically like about the mystic the mystical traditions yeah. of the big three um they all just kind of are different ways of like accessing it yeah um and i feel like i've just been in like a period of my life where it's not that like I will never kind of like settle down. I just feel like I don't want to make the choice yet. When's he going to settle down? Exactly. Ladies? <laughs> well, I'm a when's bachelor. He, when, when's he going to choose Sufism? <laughs> I, I do fuck with Sufism. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, that's probably like the, that's probably like the closest I've gotten though. Yeah. Um, but like, that's the that's another issue is that like the thing that I the things that I like are like the mystical orders of these yeah it's like I'm 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 in Minnesota like this yeah I really doubt I'm gonna be initiated into a a mystical Sufi order here yeah I I mean I um I think as you're speaking though I think that that this is what unites us like I think we both have that that reconciliation impulse. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the essay I just wrote was like about, about that resemblance between, you know, Christianity and Marxism. Mm-hmm. And like, I think we both have that, that sense of like, and we, we, this has come up on the podcast over and over again. It's like, I do think that like, that is a fear of both of us. Like we're, we're like, we're a very thin step removed from like, that person who's just like it's all connected man yeah like it's all the same Uh uh-huh um yeah we don't (laughs) but i but i think as you're as you're talking like i don't know i was reminded again of simone bay and i i may have said this already on the podcast but like i see i just did the nose thing Mm -hmm. um (laughs) she said she felt it was god will god's will for her to remain on the edge on on the edge of everything that was the church and everything that was not the church mm-hmm. and like maybe that maybe you know some people would say that's being a a pick me girl or something um but i think i don't know i think it's cool no definitely. like i relate to that a lot yeah i um, mean there are there are things where um I think the, I think the, like the church isn't, I think people misunderstand what a church is. First of all, like the church literally is just, the church literally just means like communion. It just means like, it's literally just like two or three people like, you know, worshiping together. Yeah. And so the church as an institution is not yet the church. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, 
that's kind of how like Christianity works. I think if you like really hold it to its own standards, it's like the church is not yet the church. Mm -hmm. Like we are not, we're not yet Christians. Um, always strive. So in that way, it's like, you know, I don't don't really know, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I just think, I think that there's like, if you, my my issue is is that once i i had uh experiences where i i then felt comfortable being like all right i i do believe in god yeah i've had i have had mystical experiences not on drugs yeah um and like once I've accepted that, I don't think that like there's necessarily like you have to be within like if this is if there is a God that, you know, is is a higher order above us. Mm. Like I don't think that like we can necessarily be like operating in like this strict hierarchy that's like based on like human needs is like necessarily yeah the only way to go about things that's kind of like you know what i've what i've experienced so i i just try to like you know move in <laughs> move in like good faith like, yeah and and if i wind up like you know uh, as part of you know a larger a larger thing that's like great yeah. But I haven't quite figured that out yet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I have those those same doubts. Um but like I think for me part of it is like a humility thing. Um mm-hmm. cuz it's like I'm just as flawed as all those people. Definitely. I don't yeah. well so the the thing is is that yeah. when I make that statement that has nothing to do with like a right or a wrong thing. Yeah. I think it's just like those, that stuff works for some people. It works for a lot of people. Yeah. And like, um, some, you know, sometimes that like doesn't quite feel right to me. Yeah. And like, you know, trying to do things on like a smaller, on like a smaller or larger scale. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I know. I definitely know the feeling of like, yeah. When I was in AA, um, at the end of being sober, like three or four years, I know the feeling of like, I don't know, like dogmatic oppression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a terrible feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, like people literally being like, this is like, this is like the reality and, um, you're deluded if you don't, like, if you don't know that mm-hmm. and you're going to, you're going to die if you don't like, if you don't like have the reality. Yeah. So in a lot of ways I'm very allergic to it. I think what's actually attracted me about the stuff that I'm doing now is that like, again, like if you, re- if you think if, if you read it to the to the letter it's kind of like and this is this is like the mysticism of it is like 
it's it's actually like instructing you on how to um abandon that kind of mentality yeah most of the time Mm -hmm. um which is like i think it's dope and to do that with people right Mm -hmm. like to like leave 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 dogma behind together that's that's kind of the dream Mm -hmm. i don't know what was the other the okay i don't want to be like how divergent are they from one another is part of it i feel like that i I don't think i think we don't need to go yeah (laughs) i think we went yeah we went in enough yeah um yeah it's a very good it was a very good question yeah it really uh i think yeah afterwards i was just like we could just like have a whole episode on that. yeah <laughs> we really could um but yeah should we should we move on yeah yeah i'm down sweet how you feel (laughs) i feel okay you have more to say no i don't really have more to say i just uh i don't know maybe i feel self-conscious i i i feel uh i don't know i guess i feel like i have i have a better answer to this but i don't know how to articulate it saying i kind of don't know where it is yeah and i don't and i don't want to sound like too attached to um anything because i don't i don't really feel that i am um no i i don't think it really comes off that way yeah i feel like it comes off as like you're uh you're defending i mean you're not defending any i mean you're just kind of like articulating the road that you're currently going down yeah and that's yeah you know and it was, it was, <laughs> you know, it didn't, the reason we fought is because last time it felt like you were defending, yeah, you know, the path you were currently on. And that's cool. Yeah. Like, but I feel like you're just articulating it. Yeah. I don't think I was even defending that when we fought. I think I was no. just being an asshole to you. <laughs> Real. Appreciate that. Um. But yeah, no, I, I mean, same. I feel like as we were talking, I was having like a very like, kind of like profound spirit, like inner experience that I, like, I can't really articulate. Yeah. It felt good. Good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I was yeah just thinking about. Um, sometimes when you're deep in thought, I can't tell if you're like, I can't, I mean, you know. I just don't know what's going on. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. no, no one does. Yeah. No, I was literally like sitting here by like, my like vision was changing. Yeah. I was, I was thinking, I'll, here, I'll try to articulate it. Okay. I was sitting here thinking about, about kind of like the, uh, the dogmatic kind of like, yeah. Like I'm going to hell in there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I was thinking about that. And then I was thinking about, hell being like the purifying flame you know i was thinking about like if at all like my understanding is that god is love you know 
yeah. and that's what a lot most you know that's god is love and then yeah what that means you know that's the final w- word of god right uh, the and, final name of god right yeah and uh you know so then you think about like hell existing yeah and then a lot of you know people say it's like a purifying flame yeah it it is that is still love <laughs> and then i was having like this experience of like but then you go through it and you just you know because i also kind of believe in uh reincarnation so yeah. like what that you know means is like kind of just passing through yeah and i was just like in life we get kind of a miniature form of that you know yeah and it's just about like accepting that i think that like being in a dogmatic faith is is like i think that's like hell you mm-hmm. know like talk about pass passing through the thresher yeah it's like i don't know my sponsor says to me nowadays about aa like wear it like a loose garment wear a loose garment wear it like a loose oh, garment. wear it like a loose garment <laughs> he says wear a loose garment <laughs> yeah <laughs> he says wear drop crotch pants H- hold on to your day piece <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no but it's like you know sometimes like i think i had to have a really extreme totalizing relationship to something and see how like see how like destructive that could be Mm -hmm. before i learned to like have a more um marathon like view of of the spiritual life yeah yeah that's not a race no yeah no probably gonna be at it for multiple lifetimes for millennia yeah Anchorette Renaissance magic will never die question yeah and you start and then because i have some ideas but i just want to be able to react a little bit yeah definitely cool all right so charlie asked i feel like the internet is part of our essence as humans even in worst case scenario nuclear fallout we have to rebuild civilization the internet would come back as soon as possible a fucking course anything is possible <laughs> it's a classic hank hank <laughs> 
<laughs> Hank reading, yeah. <laughs> Hank thought that OFC meant a fucking course. Pretty, pretty funny. <laughs> of course, anything is possible, but do you feel the same? Are we totally one with the internet at this point? So I guess Charlie's asking. He's saying that's how he feels. Yeah. And he's asking us if we're on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like me personally, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I get kind of, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm still a little bit of a materialist when it comes to the internet. Yeah. Like I, I feel to me that it's just kind of like a, a plane in which we are able to do like certain types of like free expression. Um, but that, you know, if, if say there was like a nuclear fallout, like, I don't know that like small bands of people would be like the most concerned with that. And it kind of depends on like how many, you know, how many people are, are left or like the collapse, you know, mm-hmm. like it really that it seems to be like a material question to me. Cause I think at like a certain level, like people would revert back to like their, their survival needs. You yeah. Know? Like would, would there, I mean, there's already sort of a vast mistrust at a popular level of like the premise of like global communication. Yeah. And, and sort like of the platforms we're able to use for our expression. Yeah. I don't think there's like a, a, a full like entwining of our souls with the internet. Yeah. Like our spirits. I think that like, it's like a, a, a plane that we could move into and like use as like a technology. Yeah. And like that will, that can like morph, you know, you that can like change you Yeah, by using that tool. But like, I don't think that it's like some type of like inherent, uh, part of our being the internet i just think it's like an expression yeah you know, more so in like a material way yeah even though it seems like it's immaterial i agree with you uh, in like a in like a practical sense i think this is a really difficult question for me um and i feel like i can't really answer it by giving giving like an answer it's coming down on a side but but i can say like i think for a long time I like followed the kind of Marxian understanding of technological development, which is of course like strictly materialist Mm -hmm. in a sense. So the idea being that like as capital progresses, um, it institutes something called the social division of labor in small manufacture. Mm -hmm. And the social division of labor is um, basically the introduction of manufacturing techniques that, decompose the organic human form and split it into a series of component parts that work in tandem along like a factory line or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that's obviously a form of rationality, but it's like a inhuman rationality. Mm-hmm. Um, that's people use the word Promethean all the time. Promethean meaning like the form of the human evolving 
uh, along with technology to become like something else. And I think Marx, Marxists have always wanted um, the internet to become this kind of communized, um, you know, communized space for emancipation, a repository for collectivized knowledge, um, whatever it may be. And like many things that Marxists have wanted that, um, you know, that <laughs> it really super, super hasn't panned out. Yeah. Um, and not only has it not panned out, but I feel like in the, in the last like five years or so of the 2010s, there was this turn to like, kind of like what maybe norm, normal people call conspiracy theories, but like really just the material history of the internet is being like discreetly bound up in like material, um, like go- government, um, military technologies, uh, like information warfare, mm-hmm. all this stuff, um, that I think introduced like a, a level of pretty healthy skepticism into like kind of like post left people and maybe like not even healthy skepticism, but just like a sense of like growing dissatisfaction. Um, and then I think like in the wake of that is where you start to get this sort of like new wave of understanding the internet from, uh, out there people on the internet who maybe formerly would have been Marxian, but are now these sort of like radical, like either land Nick Landian, which mm-hmm. is like the dark, like right wing side of it. It's like the internet is this inevitability arriving from the future to like colonize the human form and like turn us into, I don't know, capitalist aliens or some crap like that. Right. Or there's like this angelicism thing, which like, to be fair, I don't think anyone fully understands, but I, my understanding of angelicism is kind of like, basically like it's a radical idealism. Angels are like messengers. And I think in this understanding of the internet, you abandon the like material dream of it, of the internet, allowing us to like emancipate ourselves and bring ourselves to a higher standard of living. And it in, instead becomes this form of like, absolute long-term like gnosis where the internet is like this consciousness that has kind of like exploded to unveil something Mm. or show us something that is kind of like the last instant at the end of our development as a species. Mm. Angelicism is obsessed with extinction. Um, so it's like, it, it is like very dark and, and fatalist in a lot of ways. Um, I guess I don't follow that all the way. Uh, although I think there are things that are like aesthetically important about it right now, but I do think that, um, in addition to agreeing with you about like the fact that, yeah, the internet could just totally go away. I do think there's a similarity to something you've said about like psychedelics as, as them being like a form of gnosis that once it's like implanted, Mm -hmm. it like sets you on a path. Yeah. I do think there's something to like mankind's like spiritual development that has been like incepted by networked consciousness Mm -hmm. where to where like we have some kind of responsibility to bear. And I think it's our job to like figure out what that is and do something with it. Um, and I don't, I'm still trying to figure out like what that is to me. 
but I don't think it's necessarily like that useful for us anymore to, to look at it as just like this, um, kind of neutral repository for like knowledge and science that if we nationalize or something like that, it's going to be better. Um, oh, for, yeah, you know, cer- certainly. And that's not yeah. what Charlie's asking, but I have to, oh, I yeah. sort of have yeah. to say that for yeah. my own, like, for my own, like, um, I don't know, material, spiritual history of thinking about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I do agree. I don't think it's like, I don't think it's something that spiritually we can turn away from in the same way that we can't like, you know, not remember fire. Like it is, it is a very like Promethean thing. Yeah. Like we do find ourselves like locked into like stages of (laughs) that's, that's, you know, history unfolding. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, so in that way, you know, the people who would be alive would, you know, be influenced by it it could like fade out over generations but it would be like locked into our history as like yeah something that you know affected it could be it could be something that was like a seed that was like planted as something like 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 atlantis or something like the internet could become another atlantis exactly yeah even if it didn't come back Mm -hmm. um That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, you know, thinking about it as like the end too is kind of like interesting to me because I'm like, in a way it does feel like, like spiritually technology wise, um, to be kind of like, the limit of like what we as like, as like the society that like an industrial society is capable of. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You know, like something that's like very material, like that is like, it is the closest to like magic you can get. Yeah. With like a, like a hard materialist society. Um, totally. And it does feel like an, an asymptote that mm-hmm. we're approaching. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's, I think that's part of the reason why there is kind of a, a resurgence. I mean, I don't want to like go down this, but a resurgence of, of interest in magic and stuff like that. Like, yeah, you know, I, I, I've been reading a lot about like Renaissance magic and there's a lot of that, like that ties in with like, uh, like psychedelics thinkers. Yeah. Like I learned about all the like kind of Renaissance philosophers from Terrence McKenna. Yeah. Um, but it, that's because in order to even like think about like, say like technology beyond say the internet, that isn't just some kind of like, you know, like crude refashioning, like aesthetically of like current, you know, like combustion engines and things like that. (laughs) It's like, you have to like, you're you're thinking extremely abstractly. No, there's like a cosmic reorientation and that's, yeah. that's what the Renaissance was too. Exactly. Right? It was, exactly. Um, and it's basically either that or, or we have to kind of just, we, we're just going to kind of revert. I feel like it's going to be kind of like a, I don't, I don't see it as like an extinction event. I just see it as like a, yeah. 
just like a, a growing and then a maybe like a an ebb and flow yeah i think what yeah i think the extinction thing is 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 confusing um and like again i don't i don't really claim to know what angelicism's intentions are but i feel like there's like a treating extinction as this like throwing like an eschatological wrench in the gears Mm -hmm. and being like 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 what would it mean what would what would like what would like metaphysics and theology mean if we were actually like coming to like a radical and finite end Mm. like relatively soon Mm. um i don't really know but (laughs) no uh what were you doing on the last night When is it appropriate to use psychoactive substances as a technology for spiritual development or revelation? Yeah. This one is really, um, this one is really proven difficult for me for some reason. Yeah. Um, it is kind of, it is kind of, (laughs) it's at the intersection of... (laughs) Of art and technology. Of art and technology. No, but it's like, it's like a, it's like a big, like, part of your life, kind of, you know, both your spiritual life and. I think part of what, it is a big part. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think part of what the difficulty is here, and this is not a criticism, this is not a diss, um, is that the way the question is framed, there's an implicit, like, moral framework. Hmm. Um, like a kind of disposition about ethics, like what behaviors are appropriate. Yeah. And I think I kind of tend to think about psychoactive substances as being like beyond ethics mm-hmm. in a way. I've done like research on addiction, um, which in a way is like a different matter than what Ang's asking about here, but... 
one of the more like striking things about addiction is that um basically like it can never be like boiled down to the presence or absence of like a certain substance it always definitions of it always depend on some um definition around like behavior basically and so um i think like i i start to get like skeptical and suspicious whenever um people try to say like this is the like appropriate compartment around drugs yeah um which is not to say that i i go like full um you know pleasure dome yeah just like any should do any generation yeah <laughs> um but yeah i think like my experience with this stuff is that like drugs have simultaneously like showed me the plane of imminence the face of god or something not the face of god but like have given me like a hard nugget of God Mm -hmm. or of like reality Mm -hmm. in a way that has been like extremely profound. Um, but that it doesn't like most of the time that that's happened to me, I would never think of it as like intentional spiritual development. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I was addicted to heroin. Like Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I would never have thought of that as like, you know, Mm-hmm. being similar to like you for instance like doing like a sort of a controlled protocol yeah. around a psycho psychedelic drug or something like that mm-hmm. but um in a sense it's brought me to the same place often it just not not in necessarily in the form of consciousness that it brings me to but like in the long run mm-hmm. there's like you know, there is a gnosis there. Um, and so I would say like, I just find it hard to answer the question. Um, because being a person that deals with addiction, um, I don't have, I don't really have the ability to like comport myself, um, properly. (laughs) Like it's just, it's stuff just kind of goes down until it, until it, doesn't mm-hmm. um i don't know does that make sense it absolutely does it's, yeah it's basically uh to me please tell me if i'm wrong but it, it yeah it seems like uh it's like you can't really describe like the path that it will set you on yeah and like <laughs> that's you know that's its own thing it's like yeah and and once you've once you've used psychoactive substances you are on a path where that is where that will lead you like we can't speak on yeah um and 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 everyone has a different path exactly and and my path with those things just tends to be pretty extreme Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah and it's like you know, and, but, but now look at you, bro. <laughs> yeah, no. You going to church on Sunday? <laughs> yeah. And that's the other thing I would say is that like, um, there's an interesting, there's a weird correspondence or a resemblance 
like I forget if it's Carl Jung or something. Jung, there's this letter um, at the beginning of the big book that involves a um, an anecdote involving Carl Jung, and he's not named explicitly, but they call him like an eminent Swiss. Uh, was he Swiss? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like psychiatrist or something like that. Yeah. And basically, like, there's this is pre AA, and there's this guy that gets sent to Carl Jung and Carl Jung gives him a great insight into his personality, gives him self knowledge. Mm-hmm. And the guy goes back to America and he like drinks himself almost to death. And he comes back and he's like, what the hell? Like I have all this self knowledge. Like how come I can't change? Mm-hmm. And Carl Jung is like, well, yeah, basically like types like you are, are hopeless. Um, <laughs> unless you have like a, um, sort of like profound rearrangement in your like in your like spiritual makeup like basically that's like what you need to have yeah and um in a letter that carl jung wrote he invokes this formula uh, spiritus contra spiritum or something like that mm-hmm. i could be getting it wrong but it's basically like a play on the the idea of liquor as spirits yeah and the idea that there's this like there is this like strange correspondence to where like yes you need to have a spiritual experience to balance out addiction because addiction is an unfulfilled spiritual seeking mm-hmm. it, it in itself is a it, it it's an it's an obsession with that spiritual plane yeah uh that you know, if you do know that there's some sort of truth there, you need something sufficiently, you know, substantial and powerful, um, to counter it. Mm-hmm. Um, cause the draw is too great. Yeah. 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 Um, and as, as Nick alluded to earlier, that was, <laughs> that was, looking back to a different time that we answered this question. Yeah. Uh, I kind of relayed something that I heard someone say about, about psychedelics, uh, being just like a form of gnosis. And, and the thing about gnosis is that it's, it's something that like you, uh, people often, when I see people who are kind of in deep in psychedelics, like they are psychedelics people. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Who's that YouTube guy? Psyched Substance? Psyched Substance. Pray for that man. Pray for Psyched Substance. Uh, and and if you don't know and you look at that, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about psychedelics people and, and the trajectory. Um, but often it it is very clearly like this. It, it becomes less even though they'll they'll tell you that it's still about this kind of like knowing or like they're psychonauts and they're exploring inner space right um it's it's not really about that it's it's this kind of like they've just been like working out their egos and they're just like (laughs) their egos are insanely strong yeah um and they're they're just you know doing more and more trying to seek like this this gnosis that they've already gained but they aren't like doing they anything won't about it, it though yeah yeah they're they're not actually dealing with it yeah um 
and that kind of goes into, you know, if we want to talk specifically about psychedelics, even though it wasn't psych, you know, psychoactive substances is, uh, pretty much everything else, uh, as well. Um, but I do just want to put some things on, on psychedelics because they're, they're certainly, uh, kind of their own subset of experience. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, if, if you look at the things that seem very trustworthy, starting, starting, uh, low and slow, giving yourself time to recover and then increasing from there, um, Basically, there are, there are upper limits at which, you know, even the most experienced people, um, the, the most trustworthy people in that kind of field, say, you know, the Terrence McKenna's, the, who's very out there, but he, he said anything more than, you know, five dried grams of mushrooms. After that, you're, uh, he said something along the lines of your, your reportage is compromised. I love that. <laughs> your reportage is compromised. Literally. Like you're just not, yeah. you're not bringing back anything of value Yeah, at that point. Like it's, you know, and, and, you know, some people might get mad at me about that for that, but I'm, I'm very much a moderate well, in these. In well, these I think it, I think it goes back to what I was saying though, is that like, I'm, I'm not that I don't disagree with that, but I think it's like, there's certain people that you would say that to and they wouldn't be mad, but they would just be like, that information means nothing to me. Like, yeah, I'm trying to get messed up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that I, I, this, my answer would never be for that person. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, because at the end of the day, you're going to do what you're going to do. Yeah. You're on your own, you know, you're on your own path and it, you know, I can't. <laughs> what you were what you were talking about with the the person the the psychedelics person who's yeah. whose ego is really strong and who won't sit with that the gnosis that they've already probably arrived at mm-hmm. um it reminded me of heidegger's um heidegger talks about addiction actually and his definition of addiction was basically this idea that in addiction, you render each moment as a novelty so as to not have to deal with the anxiety of being existing in time. And anxiety is basically the presence of, of other people. And it, the beautiful thing about anxiety for him is that it can, it can give its way over to care eventually. And so the idea, and this is a common trope that I think like harm reductionists take, take issue with is that like the addict has no like ethical capacity. It, the addict can't be in society, can't care for people, which is BS on, cer- on a certain level. But on another level, there's a truth to it where it's like that is part of the issue with being that psychedelics person or whatever, maybe you're doing hard drugs every day or something. It's like, um, in a sense, it is like this refusal of the world, oh, this yeah. like radical turning away from the world. And it's interesting because that even saying that in that formula has this uncanny correspondence to like 
the medieval Christian like monk who like mm-hmm. leaves the world behind in order to like love it better. But there's a difference. Yeah. A crucial difference. Yeah. And that you're, you're still like acting as if you're within the world. Yeah. There's a, yeah. There's one of those classic memes where it's like born too late to explore the world, born too early to explore space, born just in time to explore inner space. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that, that is true. But if you're doing that, you know, you could, if you think about the explorer lost in just unfamiliar terrain, yeah. nobody around, yeah, you know that can be you. that can be you if you want, yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. But the nice thing about things like psychedelics is that you know if you don't, if you're not constantly on them, yeah, you can just come back and like live your life with with these little bits of. uh incommunicable information yeah you know yeah and and you can integrate those into your life yeah and and build kind of a a spiritual foundation where there was none i think that is a really good point like there is like maybe that's maybe that's the 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 nugget of turning away from the world is that treating that incommunicable information as as sacramental as like having having a value in, in itself and like, you don't have to like tell other people about it, nor do you have to like chase it down and like have it every day. Right. No. Yeah. In fact, like, that's the, that's kind of the thing about psychedelics is, is like dreams. When you, yeah. when you communicate them to people, if it's not in <laughs> They're this, like, who like, cares? Literally. Yeah. It's just like, damn, it was like, you know the only thing you really could communicate to people is like weird hallucinations you might've had. Yeah. But the like real stuff that you bring back with you, it's like, it sits in you and you're just like, huh? Yeah. There's no way I can communicate this to people. It's, it's a, it's a feeling. It's a, you know, like something in your bones. Yeah. I remember when I, my buddy Brandon in high school did acid. I was like, how was it? He was like, I'll watch my friends, watch my friend's face turn into a corn cob. Yeah, it's like <laughs> that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh. It is what the fuck it is. It was what the fuck it was. We did what the fuck we did. So we done what the fuck we done. Bitch, it is what the fuck it is. Pete asked, he's curious what period in aesthetic history we think most closely resembles the one we are in currently. It's a tough question. It is. Yeah. I, the issue is that like the aesthetic. Yeah. That like it limits it in a way. Do you have any other ideas if we were to remove that word? I'd, I'd say we're, we have like a multi folded thing in my life. Yeah. I feel like we're on, we're on the edge of the Renaissance. Yeah. That's my take. Yeah. Or we're in like, you know, you know, Weimar Germany. <laughs> you talking like Italian Renaissance? Yeah. The Quattro Centro? Yeah. Yeah. Italian Renaissance or like, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be the Italian Renaissance. But, the, but, 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 yeah. but like 14th to 17th century. Yeah. Yeah. Like thinking wise. Yeah. Or like, but aesthetic is Aesthetically, yeah. It's like a, it's gobbledygook. It's like the... Yeah. Yeah, it's like the when you when you pull all the food out of the drain. 
Yeah. It was like that. It's like that stuff. But yeah. it, but I don't mean like it's like garbage. I don't know. That sounds like really. Like, <laughs> it's like a slur. It's a smoothie. It's a slurry. Yeah. Uh, that's to me kind of like where we're at aesthetically. But it does feel like a. Can I ask you what what you think the resemblance to the the Renaissance consists of? Um, as I said in the, the internet question, yeah, it feels like we're at a point where either we're going to have a renaissance and, and like a, I once, I once read about a woman with a condition. Yeah. It's kind of a, uh, and, and basically, uh, her internal sense is that everything is shifted like 90 degrees hmm. and like, I truly cannot like comprehend what that means. No. You know? Yeah. But like her experience of the world is that like everything's off like 90 degrees. Yeah. Like her, <laughs> you know, like sent, like her perceptive senses that. And it kind of feels like we're on the edge of something like that. Yeah. It's like something that like you could explain to me, you know, what, what could be coming, but like our, our perception of like, time space materialism yeah. things like that i feel are are on the precipice of being shifted i was just reading this this book last night uh it's ernst cassire the individual in the cosmos and renaissance philosophy mm. <clears throat> and i sent you a I sent you a little underlined quote from it yeah i like um, that he's talking about nicholas kusanis I guess was a German theologian and mystic and philosopher. And it's actually very hard for me to really understand all of it because there's a lot of Platonism and Neoplatonism and Aristotelianism that is yeah. like kind of above my pay grade. But he's basically talking about um, pre-Copernican revolution. He's talking about the philosophical shift that occurred from God being this, God and the divine being this um, absolute limit that could only be worked up to by degrees mm-hmm. on sort of planes of reality in which there was a hierarchy. So that's the classic like Neoplatonist scheme. Yeah. Where these like, there are these like divine spheres that mm-hmm. start at the sensible and work their way up to the ideal. Yeah. Um, and there's correspondence, but like you never really break through. Um, to this idea that Kusanis comes up with pr- probably along with like other people simultaneously. Cause the idea was that it was like a zeitgeist thing. Um, but that it's not that God is no longer an absolute limit. It still is, but simultaneously it's that. Um, but it's also in the multiplicity of all things is in, in, in its, in its radical separateness from every single thing is accessible in all things. Mm-hmm. So it becomes this like, you know, um, new, new measure. And so I'll just read this quote briefly. Um, the ideal toward which our knowledge must strive <clears throat> does not lie in denying and rejecting particularity, but in allowing it to unfold in all its richness for only the totality of faces gives us the one view of the divine. The world becomes the symbol of God not in that we pick out one part of it and provide it with some singular mark of value, 
but rather in that we pass through it in all of its forms, freely submitting ourselves to its multiplicity, to its antitheses. Yeah, when I read that last night, yeah. I went like, I went like galaxy brain. Yeah. I was, I was thinking about how, I was thinking about how, how, uh, in like some ways, how glad I am that, that our, uh, you know, our, in our lives on earth here, uh, we don't perceive all of that. <laughs> So I was just thinking like how um, unbearable like that would, Mm -hmm. you know, that would be to like our, our human forms. (laughs) I think that's part, I think that's part of, part of religious conservatism and maybe the, the, the part of it that's worth defending is the idea that the laity aren't ready. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, and it's condescending of course, cause it's like, okay, why are the priests ready? But like, well, I think part of it is that that's like our, that's like going to be our, uh, um, that's going to be like part of us being here on, on earth yeah. is like to not experience that. That's like part of the reasons that, like, yes. you know, we, we can, we're here to like enact certain parts of it. It feels, it the feels world is, much. the world is this like exile. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also like not. Yes. <laughs> no, exactly. That's the, the antithesis well. of monotheism. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we're, you know, you know, there's love in all things. There's also, there's also darkness in the absence of love in all things, but it's kind of like how you're acting. Well, you know, do you need to take that? I'm going to take this call. Cool. No, I don't have a full answer to this, but I've been thinking about and working on this essay around the idea of the ornament, specifically the idea of the mass ornament, which is a concept that um, Siegfried, Siegfried, I guess, Siegfried Krakauer, um, who was kind of a sociologist and cultural critic associated with the Frankfurt School concept he came up with in, I think, 1936 was the essay. And, uh, Walter Benjamin also talks about ornament in his drug protocols, uh, when he, he smokes, uh, smokes hash in Ibiza, um, (laughs) in like 1932 or something. He's off, he's off the, he's off the hash and he's, was it trance? Yeah. He's listening to Balearic house. Um, and he's, he looks at the curtains, these lace curtains, you know, the, the classic, like, like thin lace, white lace curtains on the balcony. And he sees them as like translating the rhythms of the wind or something like that. Mm-hmm. So there's this idea of ornament as being this like surface that sort of translates like a, a hidden or, uh, a undergirding logic or something, but it's non, it's not semiotic. So it's not, it's not like a word or a symbol. It's like a, it's a pattern basically. Mm-hmm. And an ornament, um, like I talked to my friend Mirko, who's a type designer and for him, ornament very literally just means like it's symbols that aren't letters basically. Mm. So it's like beyond, it's like some sim- things at the edge of, of language. 
So Krakauer wrote this essay in 1936 about the mass ornament, which he he was specifically looking at the Tiller girls, who were basically like, it's like this chorus line um, of like, basically like showgirls, but they were like women that worked in like offices. They were like white collar workers essentially that joined this like touring chorus line. And the unique thing about the chorus line was that it was like essentially like geometric, like they would form these like vast geometric shapes all moving in unison. And there was some, there's something really uncanny about it to where it's like, it's very like defamiliarized from the original, just kind of like, you know, like showgirl, yeah. uh, like Vegas, whatever it is thing into being this like very like hyper rational, like factory, like ritual. And, um, Krakauer read it that way. He said that it was a surface expression of capitalism's, um, the thing I referred to earlier, the sort of dissolving of the organic human form into these, like, fragmented parts that get recomposed through this logic that is basically, like, inhuman, in a way, in, like, the Taylorist production process. Um, and he, he, being a sort of Frankfurt School Marxist, he... He was sort of a Promethean, but his idea was that um, it wasn't that the mass ornament is too rational. It's that it's not rational enough. So it's hyper-rational in this abstract form that divests the contents of, the, of any substantial meaning. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't arrive at what he calls the reason of fairy tales. They're all obsessed with fairy tales. Yeah. Fairy tales for him are like this... Um, they, fairy tales like announce the advent of this kind of human, human but also supernatural justice, right? So like, mm-hmm. humans like ally themselves with nature in order to sort of transform the world. And so he's basically saying that like, we need, we need like a mass ornament. We need to go through the mass ornament, through that, you know, that sort of empty abstract rational, rationality. Uh, rather than like denying it and returning to some originary organic whole in order to recompose the human on the basis of uh, this like fairy tale reason. It's yeah. very like confusing what he actually wants. Yeah. But I think that's what's sort of beautiful about it. So I've been thinking about how obviously it's like become a cliche to compare our era to the 1930s, yeah. um, especially with all these like Trump. You know, yeah, think pieces. Like yeah. yeah. Um, and that's not really my, my bag with it, but I do think that there's a course, there's like, it, there is a resemblance in that we've moved past. I mean, obviously, there's still factories all over the world, but like, in terms of consciousness, we've moved past this industrial rationality. But I do think that like, the ornament has like, seeped into our very like, social life and communication to the point where, like, language itself is ornamental. There are these kind of, like, vast abstract patterns in language that um, I notice that are, like, hard to describe that go beyond, like, semiotic meaning. Um, Or, like, I see it in our body culture, too. Like, TikTok dances are, like, this kind, these kind of, like, you know, diffuse, disseminated, um, 
abstract, rational movements that seem to come from like nowhere, mm-hmm. and no one really knows like what it, what it means, right. and it doesn't actually mean anything, but it yeah. has to mean something. So I think I don't know. I've been thinking about that, um, and I'm 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 just trying to figure out you know what exactly we can do with that, but. Like increasingly making my friends um, do things that resemble AA meetings. <laughs> yeah, that was the most. That was the most AA meeting party I've ever been to. Yeah. So maybe we could just take a minute to pause and remember why we're here, and then the floor will be open. The meeting is open. Um, this is our, our second take. Yeah. Of the question part two. Um, however, in our first recording of it, we were a little low energy. Yeah. We were a little low energy. You're joking around the truth. Yeah, we were joking around the truth. We were trying to joke our way into the truth. I've been thinking a lot lately about <laughs> you can you can chew your cucumber. <laughs> Sounds like ice. <laughs> um I've been thinking a lot about um, what I really want in life, and um, I feel like I want people to respect me. And then, once I once I f- actually have people's respect, I realize that what I actually want is like for them to. Um, not not respect me, but for them to to be like to see that I'm like in pain mm. or that I'm like not like suffering, but like yeah, that I like am like you know human um and I often feel like I'm acting at cross ends in in those ways, I guess what I mean is like I feel like we've we we've been on kind of a triumphal march. <laughs> uh that's a weird phrase, but like we've just been making a lot of um progress on our on our dreams, yeah. like things that we mm-hmm. start, set out to do. We're still at the very very beginning. Um maybe this is navel gazy, but I was thinking about the fact that I I like often get feedback from people that they kind of think I have um, 
certain things figured out. Not like, oh, he knows what's up, but like, like my like intimate life or something like that. Oh yeah. And it's just like, no, yeah, like, <laughs> not even remotely. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? And it's mm. like, I want to show that side of myself to people more. Um, and I'm, I'm becoming more aware of the things in me that, um, that I hide behind. Yeah. A lot. But I, th- I think that's good. Cause I think yeah. that was again, part of, you know, why we started this mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's like a process. Like it's not yeah. like we're going to be recording episodes. It's like immediate, like, <laughs> no, of course not. Cause we both, uh, you know, have some pretty, uh, pretty trained, pretty trained guards up. Yes. <laughs> if we got one thing figured out, it's that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've, you've referenced being afraid of, of like passion. Mm hmm on this uh on this podcast yeah. episode 100 i'm gonna be like giving like <laughs> 45 minute long like speeches just <laughs> about about love yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah fire is burning in our hearts yeah but i i was just i don't know i was just thinking about that Maybe we can start with a question. Mm-hmm. Should we start with Teresa's? Yes. Okay. So Therese asked, very simple, but good question. What makes you both hopeful at the moment? At this moment, currently, um, I've just, I, I was saying this the other night at, at our uh, impromptu a meeting <laughs> our our party no, uh, that was so cool yeah shouts out vivian yeah was it vivian who made us do i, I don't Rose know I, was, I wasn't there when it started i think it was her idea yeah but it was a good like that was like very avant-garde party <laughs> yeah there was like 20 people sitting in a long room in a circle all sharing their rosebud and thorn of the week yeah <laughs> um <clears throat> but my bud, which was the third, the third option, the secret third thing, mm-hmm. which is something you're hopeful for, is that I really felt like I'm on the edge of like some type of breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know exactly where it's going to come from, but it seems like it's it has something to do with with um. Basically, like, if you were to go in on my therapy sessions, basically everything is, like, trying to, me trying to figure out myself through my interactions with people. So I, like, will dissect them. So I'll bring in these interactions. Yeah. And, like, I'm just, like, finally getting to a point where I'm, like, frustrated. I, like, hate that. And I'm, like, turning that inwards. Yeah. What are you frustrated with, specifically? Um... Like, are you frustrated with your interactions or the process of dissecting them? The process of dissecting them. Yeah. Because it is, like, very, like, I can, like, dissect them down, like, uh, truly, like, my therapist is, like, kind of weirded out. Like, I can do it, like, completely impartial observer. Yeah. Just, like, this is, like, what I'm doing here. Yeah. But I, like can't aim that like didn't you score inside. didn't you score like psychopath when you took like the 
the psych <laughs> battery or something like that. No. <laughs> I thought you told that, me that. Put that out of the world. No. no. It, it, well, you did. You told me that your your person was like either you're like a sociopath or you're like you like answered it wrong or something like that. You did tell me yeah, that. Yeah, but what oh, what was that about? That that sounds like a psych Oh, it was uh it was because you were being like too you told me you were like you were like being too objective or something like that and like answering the questions or you were like reading into them too much. Oh yeah, it was like an anxiety thing. Yeah. Yeah. He was like yeah, it was like you either have like generalized anxiety disorder. Yeah. Or you're like a psychopath. Yeah. You're very clearly not. <laughs> yeah. A psychopath. That just it just reminded me of of like what you're describing. Yeah, it's kind of like analysis of like yeah every interaction yeah yeah it's and it's and it's mainly because i don't like want it's like it re it really freaks me out to like examine my own emotions that way yeah um for whatever reason i'm like very like i keep it at like an arm's length but like when i do it's like very very good for me therapy but it's only happened like a couple times i'm like very good at like like literally it's like very much just like my interactions with people historically or like currently and i just like i'm like i'm like fed up with it and i think that that's like leading you know that's either preempting like a some type of breakthrough or starting to get fed up is like a really good sign i think yeah for me too yeah. I actually just said to you last week that I was feeling like sick of myself. And I didn't mean that in like a denigrating way. Mm. It's just like I've been just like working on all this like very intellectual <laughs> God, that sounds so conceited. <laughs> I, but it is. It's just You're like very on, Yeah. I've been working on this like writing stuff that's like very and I was just like, why do I do this? Like how did I become this? <laughs> like, it's a really, I think it's a really good question. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, I was always interested in books and stuff, but it's not like, it was in no way predetermined that at like this age, I would be like waking up in the morning and being like, okay, Walter Benjamin. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's, it's really weird. And, um, I don't, I don't like dislike that part of myself, <clears throat> but, I was thinking about, you know, maybe on like a Reich, like a, like on a, a Wilhelm Reich tip, like there's all like all this cerebral energy that I'm just like expending Mm -hmm. kind of like just automatically. Yeah. And it's like, maybe I just need to be like out here, like loving. Yeah. Um, a little bit more. And mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's sort of like what I mean when I get sick of myself. Cause it's just like, and, and, and it's all in a balance. Like, I think that stuff is really important to me. Um, and there is a genuine desire to communicate, but it's like, what is a desire to communicate except like a desire to like reach out and touch people mm. like literally <clears throat> often. Yeah. You know, it's like, hmm. 
I don't know. Writing is deeply erotic. Yeah, I think there's a secret third thing, though. <laughs> there is, for sure. It's just or like a secret second, but yeah, it's just there like, is no. Th- there's know. absolutely value to the process. Yeah, I just think I'm just sort of. I, I'm a little bit like too far in one one mode. Yeah, and I just think it's a safe it's a safe mode for me. Mm-hmm. Well, here's another example. So, like on the last episode, I said that I, I said sort of facetiously that i'm bringing rock and roll back um yeah for 2023 and i've been saying that to our friends and like i was thinking about that because like it is like a kind of a funny joke um and in a way i do mean it culturally like not in like an indie sleaze way but just like i want i want i want people to rock and roll again yeah you know kind of like the spirit of it but in a in a more like personal sense it's just like i think i i have this really like deep desire to like sing and like share you know mm-hmm. that part of me with people that i've come to like safeguard as being um i guess like you know cringy wanting to wanting to like write songs and sing them for people yeah and I I really like unironically deeply want that and I it's kind of it kind of bums me out that I have to couch it in like like I'm bringing rock and roll back like yeah. ha, ha ha yeah you know um I don't feel like I really answered that but mm. yeah I guess if I were to try to pull my pull my answer out of what i was just talking about it would be just like i'm hopeful to get like a little more unhinged definitely yeah that's one that's like been floating around let for it like all a hang long, out a little a long more. time yeah i've been like i think a lot about the like kind of it's the whole thing we get into but the the kind of like concept of like you know the the like schizo posting or like yeah uh it's like leaning the, into your intensities that are you know the id or some kind of extreme yeah uh thing that isn't quite you yeah yeah and you like look back at like history and like the people who you know are just like really off one kind of leaning into that yeah like and and reality kind of gets shaped around that. Yeah. You know. Or it's just, even if it's not like a history thing, it's just, it would feel so, I think it would just feel so good <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a way to be like embraced by, to, to go there and to still be embraced by the undergirding firmament of the universe. Yeah. Right. I think that's, well, that's the thing with, with you know, say myself where like i i literally fear going crazy more than death yeah is the is that i feel like that's like baseline like you're good you have like a lot of movement yeah. and you're you, you have a lot of freedom of movement but you're like constraining yourself yeah you know cuz like if i was actually like <laughs> at risk of being crazy it would just be like i'd be untethered already I don't know. And then, but then there's this other thing where it's like, it's interesting that when we talk about 
this idea, um, it like assumes these certain forms, like you mentioned, like schizo posting. Cause I feel like that, that has already been like, that has already been like reabsorbed into this very guarded apparatus. Absolutely. So it's not actually like what we're talking about. No, no, I'm not saying like that's yeah. the way to get there. Yeah. No. <clears throat> but that's in the spirit of, but it's like, I think what we're, what we're talking about is like an actual, like, it's like an actual, like, real vulnerability and not just vulnerability like I'm sharing my feelings, but like, I'm like out there. Yeah. Like, I'm like open. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's hard to describe. Mm-hmm. And I'm not doing it for the sake of like gain. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like that's one of the, it's one of those things where it's like, we are trending towards that. If you, if, if you look at, you know, at, at us, at us. Yeah. Yeah. Not like society is trending <laughs> towards that. I'm not, yeah. I have no critique on that, but yeah. Like us, if I look at myself, you know, when I was like 12. Yeah. Like oh, you're taking a long view here. Yeah. Yeah. But just like how, how my 12 year old self would like see me now. Yeah. And like my like inner processes, they'd be like this person, like I've gone insane. Cause I was like, a, you know, I mean, my 12 year old self didn't understand much, but I would, I was like a staunch atheist, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Very like, the world was like very literal, you know, it's kind of like science mindy or like mechanical. Yeah. And it's just like so much like looser, <laughs> you know, it is. I I feel like a little bit differently just personally. Yeah. Like I feel like I have, I've been like relatively, I feel like my spirit has been like basically the same since mm. I was like a little kid. Oh, the the spirit is basically yeah. the same. Yeah. But but I guess the only difference for me is that like I would compare the trend um to like but if I look at like a year ago I had such a small my world was so small. Mhm. I was so like incredibly guarded about um i mean when we first started doing this we were both like acting like it was like a big kind of like risk or something like that yeah yeah (laughs) which it is in a way yeah but um it felt really nice to be able to sit in that room with all those people the other night yeah and be like i mean we didn't like make that happen but like to be like this is like, we're all like giving. Mm-hmm. No, the best part is that we didn't make it happen. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. my favorite part about the whole thing. Yeah. It's just, we're part of it. Yeah. It'd be tiring to always have to make things happen. <laughs> yeah. Making things happen is. It is what the fuck it is. It was what the fuck it was. We did what the fuck we did. So we done what the fuck we done. Bitch, it is what the fuck it is. Might have known Mr. Garfield. Mr. Garfield? Mr. Garfield. From, uh, from Mr. Garfield.
from the car crash. Oh, <laughs> Cody, Cody Peters. Cody Peters. Uh, we should get some Cody Peters audio. Perhaps <laughs> we should interview Cody Peters. <laughs> Yo, that's actually a really good idea. Oh, we got to We got to reach out to him. Yeah, I'll find him. All right, so, um, so Ang's, Ang, Ang sent, sent a few questions, but her second one, um, I kind of like stumbled over the last time. Aren't Catholic confession and therapy basically the same thing? Yeah. And I think, I think the stumbling block was, um, classic, classic one that I went pretty abstract with it, um. I said some crap about Foucault and um, I think there was something I was trying to get at there, but that I wasn't, wasn't connected to my own experiences, but basically like the Foucault thing is that he does see both of those things as like normative instruments. Mm-hmm. So like his idea is that those are, those are relational situations where, you um you like normativize yourself and and he thinks i guess the implication in foucault is like always that that's bad um Mm -hmm. because he's like a radical or something Mm -hmm. Um, so i guess my my way of answering the question is that i've never been to confession i have done a lot of therapy in my life um and I've done, I've done everything from like, you know, the classic like CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, where they kind of like, you know, it's talk therapy, but then they also try to introduce like coping skills and modify your behaviors, I guess. Um, I've done more psycho psychoanalytic informed or psychodynamic therapies. Um, and then I've done like when I was in like treatment, uh, for like addiction treatment, I did like, um, MNDR that like trauma therapy where they show you like funny lights and you like go, you like, they, he like asks you, asks you questions about your like trauma Mm. memory and it, it, the idea is that it like stimulates this part of the brain where like the traumas are hidden yeah, and like gets them to like move. I think it's like, yeah, I did personally, that, I think it's like fake. It is. Um, but <laughs> so yeah, I've done a lot of therapy and, um, still do therapy really important. It's, it seems to be an important thing for me. Um, but I had this experience where, um, I had this experience where I was in, I was in couples therapy for, um, about a year at the end of my last relationship. And it was like a psychodynamic informed couples therapy. So he was remaining pretty neutral on a lot of stuff between us. Mm -hmm. And, um, but he, he would give feedback in certain instances and, um, there were moments where I, uh, 
I would try to, where like in therapy, I would try to express things that I thought had a kind of, um, spiritual basis or like explain something that, um, was maybe a, a little bit ineffable. And I would always feel like there was this immense pressure, um, in those moments coming from the therapist to like demolish those things mm. or to like bring them back down to a certain level. Yeah. And I realized that like, that's probably because he saw that that's like a place where I hide. Mm. Um, but at the same time that like, that like caused this like very reactionary feeling in me to come up where yeah. it's like, you don't want there to be like a place for people to, to like have something that's like untouched by your laws. Yeah. That was like the feeling I was getting is like, you don't, you want to take everything away and like subject them to this logic of like, become more healthy, become more, you know, mm. become more, um, level headed, see yourself as a, this kind of open, you know, open machine. Um, I, it's hard to describe, but like, I think getting out when that relationship ended and the therapeutic situation ended, I specifically remember last winter trying to write this reflection on like, basically like, do I have to go to therapy? Mm -hmm. Not in the sense of like, will it be good for me? But like, is it like a moral imperative that I go to therapy? Yeah. And, um, I don't know. I think that's like an interesting, um, it's not, it's, it's not even interesting. It's just like, I find that a lot of people in my life are kind of like troubled by that question. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't answer the question directly, but that's like the most interesting way that I can, or like true to myself way that I can kind of put the two in. So, yeah. so I guess like the idea being that like I'm now I'm in therapy and I, and I'm in church. Yeah. It's like, it's not a, for me, it's like a, it's like a both situation. And you and I talked about like how we're always trying to like reconcile mm -hmm. and like repair things. Well, I mean, that's, <clears throat> that's kind of, uh, the thing that comes up for me in that is that like ostensibly like, uh, a, a religious life, you know, in the Christian faith is like, you're, you're trying to like, act like as christ did yeah you know and it's like is 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 that the goal of therapy or is it like to fit you know within the society because right. like if a ther if a therapy setting that was like working towards like what would that look like is that no exactly <laughs> <a> therapy where you're <laughs> trying to yeah yeah you know uh, work towards that ideal. Yeah. You know, what is, what is it kind of like, that's, I feel like that's like the most important 
kind of like thing to like suss out of your therapist. Yeah. Like you can't really ask them directly, but like getting a feeling for like what they're like, what their thing to work towards is their ideal, you know? I mean, I, I've said this before on the pod, but I'll repeat it because maybe not everyone like heard the episode, but like I literally had this moment with my therapist where he said to me, like nothing in life matters and you have to create your own meaning. And I said, (laughs) that's, I disagree with you. Yeah. Love is the meaning of life. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, I, I still rock with him and he helps me a lot. Yeah. But I think that there's a really fundamental epistemological difference. Yeah. And even if your therapist has a different orientation, he still is going to be probably taking more things. He's going to be taking things apart. Yeah. And that's, that's helpful. Mm-hmm. But there's a, um, part of me is always going to, going to rebel against, against that yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. And they're also humans too. Yeah. They're humans know? too. The priest is a human. Yeah. The therapist is a human. Yeah. Like we're all, you know. I mean, I feel like that's that's kind of the issue with with a, a real rigid psychoanalytic situation. Is mm-hmm. I mean, it's like it's like physics, where yeah. you know, like they're realizing, like oh, you know, or they, you know, they the realize observer. like the observer. Yeah, yeah, it's like no, it's like you can't. The therapist is there. Like <laughs> yeah, not only is the therapist the observer, the therapist is like one of the molecules. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> Claims I, to be an observer. I watched the Jonah Hill documentary last night about his therapist. Oh, really? And they say like, "I love you" to one another. Yeah. So like, very, very frequently. And at the at the beginning, I was kind of like, "That sounds." sounds no, I know. <laughs> at the beginning, I was kind of skeptical because the dude, his therapist, Stutz. This guy Phil Stutz. Um, he's a cool guy, honestly. But at the beginning, he's like, "Yeah, like when I came in, the model was, you know." The therapist was an impartial observer and, 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 and these people would come in depressed and they would leave with nothing, you know, and, and my, I wanted speed, you know, I want, and at first I was like, okay, like he wants speed, but <laughs> I actually, I think he's like kind of a savant. He's like kind of an interesting, like yeah. weirdo savant who's like easily could be, cause he has all these tools that are like, yeah. he basically came up with like his own method. Yeah. Um, like instead of like he he has this thing that he calls part X, <laughs> this part of your psyche that it's like the part of you that's like basically says that you're not good enough or that you can't do things. Mm-hmm. But like in, in any other in it, in like a slightly different person, it could easily be like this guy is a like it's like who's that guy who like speaks at like motivational conventions. Um, like Tim Robbins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but he's just like a, he's a real endearing guy. I don't know. That just reminded me. I, um, I got a little off track there and also I have to leave in about two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. We can, we can return to it. I feel like we kind of, we kind of covered it. Yeah. We can just come back after. Cool. That sounds good. Yeah. Let's hit a pause and see how we're feeling later. The last one it was on you, nigga, dimming on me. I was in the penthouse, smoking on 
Sam asked, My question for both you and Hank is whether or not spiritual practice can be fully extricated from the logic of production. Can spirituality still exist undefiled in capitalist society? Um, and I think when we first answered this question, I got yeah. a little like fumbled up. I think that I was, I'm thinking of like spiritual practice, like lot can be extricated from the logic of production. Yeah. But then spirituality i don't feel like can be undefiled right in capitalist society right but i feel like that's yeah i guess we could talk about that because i don't want to just say in like two <laughs> sentences my answer yeah um yeah do you want to start with that i can start okay um i feel like i've already been talking about this a lot on this episode um, just in this recording specifically. Yeah. I mean, we could be, you know, yeah, we don't have to be, uh, yeah. Um, we don't have to go off yeah. every time. I mean, I might go off. I just don't Please know. Please go off <laughs> if you need to. Um, don't feel like if, if you feel like you're, you're just repeating a through line, Yeah, you know, yeah. then the essence is still there for all the answers have are, are already being answered in every other question. Yes. Which feels much better. Yes. For us. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think Sam, this is like the, this is the question to, all, to end all questions. Like Sam, you really nailed it. Um, you okay. know, this is like, this is like Mark Fisher, um, at the end of his life. Um, not to go too dark, but like, lecturing about um post-capitalist desire Mm -hmm. the idea of like finding a a free desire that isn't like determined by compulsion um it's like the most important question but it's also like essentially like an impossibility under the current paradigm it's a paradox it's a paradox um i think like i think um your use of the word undefiled um definitely like i don't i don't know what it what it does but it does something for me um to where i think like no um like spirituality does not exist undefiled yeah and that's like probably it never has um at least not in like the last like 2000 years or something. Um, I think that's become kind of like my, as I've become more interested in like Christian, um, eschatology and stuff like that, I think 
part of what's drawn me to it is this realization that monotheism is like itself modern um in that it like sets up this paradigm of what we were talking about like radical separation from god Mm -hmm. and needing to like find god in that separation yeah um i think like already that is a form of uh defilement is strong but like a form of like you know you're not like in the womb anymore like you're already like far away and i think like i i guess i just this isn't a criticism of the question but i think it's like it's it's good for spirituality to be defiled like um seeking seeking purity or seeking some sort of safe haven is um is not what spirituality asks us to do i don't think um that being said i think there's a much more practical level to this question that's really fair of like you know (laughs) um maybe maybe i think sam is being a little provocative and i like that he's saying kind of like you know yeah are you guys just retreating from like the the dream of sort of like you know winning (laughs) the class war uh dreaming of emancipation retreating into your dreams um into the world of ideas or of utopia etc cetera, etc cetera. um or maybe i'm just reading that into it because that's that's maybe my um my fear my insecurity um but like yeah i think uh I think that I'll put it this way. And this is what I said. This is what I said the last time. um, And, and, you know, I'm not sure if it fully landed for me, but like I'm increasingly unconvinced that capitalism is a totality. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's like not to be like a radical idealist again, but kind of like along the lines of you saying like, we need to stop saying that people aren't reading. Yeah. I think we have to stop like thinking that, capitalism has like infected every like facet of our being yeah uh in this way because um there are things in this world that are more powerful than capitalism definitely and um you know capitalism is a i think it's like you know it's like a parasite that's um become incredibly incredibly powerful and it constantly has to find new things to leech onto and to transform by its own logics. Um, and I think like the, the failure of a lot of 21st century Marxism is to like find, try to find these outsides, these like partial, partially autonomous outsides and to like make a nest there. Yeah. And I, and I, I guess I think like the, the innovation of the, the more spiritual turn is to like not, to like not make a nest mm-hmm. and to like embrace like more or less like a permanent exile. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I, I'm not abandoning my Marxism. Um, I, I do think that like the worldly forms that it's taken are in the same way that I would say like Christianity is not yet Christian. I would yeah. say that like Marxism is not yet Marxism. Yeah. Yeah. That was a crazy answer. (laughs) No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you completely. Um, I have a few, I have a few things on that. Uh, (laughs) 
in my in my mind when you said you were talking about like not nesting yeah in my mind what immediately came to me is that it was like spirituality is not a nest it's like a virus or something like yeah not in an evangelical way but in like a yeah like when you when you like do when you're when you're sp- spreading love for back lack of a better word yeah. it's like that that's like it yeah you know? like that's 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 so much better than a nest you yeah. know like true you know actually spreading like true love yeah amongst people and like making connections between people um i, w- I want to say that oh god what what was it yeah as you said when i first was thinking about the question yeah uh yeah i i agree that i don't think that like spirituality like can be undefiled as it were right that's like the whole point and this question gets to like the essence of like what it why we're here (laughs) yeah what you know meaning of life type things um and it just i don't know it 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 i do think that like in order for there to be you know kind of you know, uh, uh, Utah, what is that? <laughs> Someone's starting their car. Yeah. Uh, like some kind of utopian vision or like, you know, God or something like that. There has to be kind of an, an antithesis while we're on earth yeah. or something like that in order for, you know, it to exist. Uh, I was thinking about, you know, a bloke quote when you were talking about uh the potential for sam to be perhaps asking us if we're just retreating you know into utopian visions yeah and i don't i don't know if i said it on here if that was kind of a scrapped thing but like a, a, a bloke basically said about utopians is that they're they're necessary because they their like telescope into the future is like one of the only devices that we can use to like examine the nearest moment yeah. and like tell like what needs, you know, like what, what could be, you know, or like what, what, what action we should take in the next moment yeah. in order to, you know, further our, our goal of like reaching, you know, a utopia. And I think that that's kind of like what, uh, like a spiritual practice has like done for me. It's, it's a very similar, you know, device. I feel like one's kind of one's material and one isn't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like think, you know, one's, one's that kind of way of thinking about it. Um, but yeah, it just seems like one of these things where if, it it isn't going to be undefiled by it, but that's, that's kind of, you know, allowing that to exist and like giving the space for it is, is like very necessary in order for us to get to a place where it might not be defiled, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of going in circles now, but no, it's, I, I, I (laughs) really, I I get what you're saying. I think we've just arrived at that point where that's what we're doing. Like, yes, no, it's, it's impossible for it to remain undefiled, but that's, that's a good thing in my opinion. Yeah. 
it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, uh, yeah, it would have no, it, it would have no purpose. Yeah. If, if capitalism wasn't able to defile, you know, if it was able to, to rem- coexist peacefully with spirituality, then we'd be in trouble. Yeah. For real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like all the, you know. Yeah. Um, for some reason, the, the theme song to The Wire is coming to me. It's like, you gotta keep the devil way down in the hole. <laughs> foot on, foot on his neck. Very real. But it's like, he's gotta be there. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's, what i'm hearing what you're saying like yeah in order you know yeah yeah absolutely yeah i don't know if yeah i don't know if he's gotta be there but like he is yeah and we gotta make him good again (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's a fallen angel for real he's a fallen angel for real um get that you can't kill the devil yeah i think i think we're pretty I think that's I think yeah, we got it. We got it. Yeah. Dude. Thanks everyone for bearing with us through the Q&A. Yeah. Um we really did appreciate the question. New 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 year new interviews. Mhm. We're going to get Cody Peters. We're going to get Cody Peters. <laughs> best sleuths on that. Um and yeah, we're really excited for what this year will bring. So peace and love. Peace and love. One love. All right.